This is BetaHouse.life, the podcast that empowers you to live in beta. Waiting for the perfect is often the enemy of the good or even the great. So listen in, get inspired, and let these curated stories encourage you to take your next step. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Benjamin. Welcome Welcome to to BetaHouse.life. I'm Elizabeth Hedgeford, founder and CEO of Beta House Studio, and with me is <laughs> her husband and general manager, Ben Hedgeford. So we're sitting down to get to talk for just a moment before we jump into the interview mm-hmm. with Tim Captain. I got to meet Tim as my first job mm-hmm. after kids. That's right. So when we had children, I chose to stay home, and we homeschooled, and we did other things. So. I had a pretty long stint without a full-time job. Right. Pretty long. and I'm, A paying full-time job. Yeah. 16 years mm-hmm. without having a paycheck, per se, besides a little, you know, a little part-time money here and there occasionally, but nothing that was like you would put on your resume, right. you know, that kind of work. So it was interesting to be jumping back into the job field when we moved back out here, but I got to work for Tim at his church, First Christian Church, which is just down south of here from where the studio is now. Down um, in National City. Yep, uh, just south of San Diego, mm-hmm. downtown San Diego. Got to do some tasks for them that really stretched me. Yeah, So it was in a, a good way. It was a good way, but for the interview portion, mm-hmm. I chose to let Ben take the reins on that one. Right. And I was sitting off on the side doing all of the technical aspects mm-hmm. on this one because it is a lot easier when you have somebody on the side running the soundboard and that kind of stuff versus trying sure. to do it for yourself. So I went over and handled the tech stuff, let the guys talk. And we asked Tim on for a very specific reason mm-hmm. for this series, talking about location. Yeah, because Tim's moved a little bit. And we'll get into that in the episode, but <laughs> Tim's moved a lot. So he's a friend, so yes. that's, that makes conversation easy. Mm-hmm. But we really, I, and you'll notice this in the interview, I let Tim do a lot of the talking because Tim has done a lot of moving yeah. in his life. <laughs> we'll let him jump into that right now. Mm-hmm. It's all about. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, one of the things I love so much about Zimbabwe is the just friendly family culture okay. um, that was uh, present there. And so I, I remember as a kid, and there was people that we would call uncles and aunts mm-hmm. and grandparents that we had, were obviously not related to. Right, right, right. Um, but that for me was um, kind of something that has really throughout my life mm-hmm. um, impacted in each place I've been. These little kind of almost a tribalism type of culture where you're included in the family, even mm-hmm. if maybe that's not where you're from. So that's been something I've kind of noted every yeah. place I've moved. It's been different, but um, everywhere I've gone since childhood, that's been something I've gravitated towards is uh, who is kind of my extended fake family, right. um, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's as you grow up, that's one of the things that you learn is that family extends beyond blood. Right. It really does, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's extended into especially when you're pastoring a group of people. Sure. They're they're deep in your heart. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and so they are definitely they're they're family. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely your family. Talking about family, the dynamic there in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. having that extended family. Is there anywhere else? If it was here or Hawaii or Ohio. And yet, is there anywhere else where you had a similar slant on that from just the people around you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'll go the opposite way, actually, okay. Ben, is, is that even though I'm, quote, unquote, from the Midwest, yeah. uh, because I was born there and my family's originally there, both my right. parents are from there, it's been kind of weird mm-hmm. not living in the Midwest because I meet other people and, oh, you're from so-and-so place, and I go, 
no, no. yeah, but no. Um, and so it's kind of felt the opposite. The, okay. the place that I would think would feel like family mm -hmm. or feel like really kind of tied into, I haven't been. And um, the interesting thing here in San Diego is this has been the place I've lived the second longest of right. any place. I'm hoping to pass that Zimbabwe yeah. up uh, for the <laughs> longest place in one place. Um, but all three of our kids have been born here. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really interesting how that perspective of parenting has changed because all three of them mm -hmm. can say that they've been born and raised yeah. in San Diego. And so it's really strange just kind of um, having that experience of going, when I say I'm from around, they would say, no, I'm for sure from San Diego. And yeah. this is kind of <laughs> an interesting uh, experience there for me. Yeah. For me, growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, right. I spent most of my elementary career just across the river in New Albany, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Well, that river is a hard line. Right. People don't like to cross it. Right. And so New Albany people, they'll occasionally pop down to Louisville. Louisville people, they have to, they'll go to Indiana, mm -hmm. but they don't want to. And right. so it makes for uh, a different dynamic. Even that close, mm -hmm. you can have a hard separation. Right. Kind of we were talking earlier beforehand, a lot of people don't want to, you know, they don't want to go north or south of the eight right. or maybe Mira Mesa, mm -hmm. North County people, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So, yeah, you're going to find those barriers, too. Right. Uh, and then that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. And, and again, the, that community um, is just different. So when we first moved to San Diego area, mm -hmm. um, we didn't know what the real estate out here was. No. And so um, our natural instinct was going, we want to be as close to the beach as possible. And so we ended up in <laughs> Imperial Beach. We said, it's affordable. Yeah. At that time, it was. And going, why doesn't everybody live here? And at that time, we just didn't understand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how different of a culture yeah. Imperial Beach would be from just you know 10 minutes away. Right. Um, and so then we moved up to the North Park area and that mm -hmm. was completely different. Oh yeah. Uh, kind of just uh, in terms of what pace of life was and compared to Imperial Beach and now we're in National City and mm -hmm. um, love it, yeah. uh, but again, just completely different. And as we've made each of those transitions, one of the things we've just noted is the type of people that you're around mm -hmm. is again just reflected in some of the what this kind of sense of community was mm -hmm. so again in, in imperial beach it was mostly military families that we lived around right. and so as we were building community people were being moved and transitioned in and out mm -hmm. and so even our community kind of culture there was much more in flex whereas in and when we were in North Park, um, where we lived in North Park, mm -hmm. it was an international community. And so yeah. um, our kids got to kind of experience all sorts of you know, African traditions with our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And it was a very different experience. Yeah. Whereas in National City, it's just been, uh, again, much more kind of steady, long-termers, it seems mm -hmm. like. Folks that you find, oh, I've been here for 20, 30 years or yeah. something like that. Um, and so it's been a little bit different each kind of place, even here in National City, um, mm -hmm. as uh, we've discovered this over the last uh, about two years, yeah. it has been really fun to kind of find out those same pieces of community are just lived out a little bit differently. Trying to learn that and mm -hmm. trying to be responsive to that has been a little bit of a challenge, but sure. but but really exciting too. Yeah. So when we're when we're talking about that sort of thing, and then one of the, one of the dynamics that you brought up about your childhood, mm -hmm. I know is reflected now with where you are talking sure. about that calling people aunt and uncle and mm -hmm. aunt, that's that's also a Filipino, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Cultural dynamic, right? And so there's got to be a component of that that feels very familiar, right? Yeah, for you yeah. and for me. I never called anybody but my uncle, my <laughs> uncle, you know, so <laughs> you don't do that in Kentucky. You might call everybody cousin because right. it's a Southern thing to do. Uh, but And or it might be true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're all related. Uh, 
<laughs> love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, so uh, if you, you can talk a little bit about that again, yeah. just, I mean, just yeah. with your current context now. Well, uh, and the, the interesting thing is my wife, Julia, mm -hmm. is almost the exact opposite of right. me, where she lived in Maryland for pretty much her whole life. She grew mm -hmm. up, her family was in one house almost the, the entire time before we were married. And that's crazy to me. So it's very, very different for her than it is for me. Whereas, um, again, I, I remember you know living in Zimbabwe mm -hmm. at a time where internet was just for just a few folks right. um, you had to go through I think it was about a four or five page like command prompt list in order to manually <laughs> dial into the university's internet uh -huh. and then it would take you about 45 minutes to send an email mm -hmm. and so at that time um, the kind of current state of globalism just wasn't there right um, so we were really there you mm -hmm. know and so my extended family um, all over the world so I think for us in that, each place that I've gone, mm -hmm. um, that cultural component has been there. Also, you know, just to put it bluntly, white and also primarily Midwestern culture mm -hmm. has a view of family that is much more place and person centric right. than many other cultures in the world. And so whether it's Filipino culture or again, Hawaiian culture, where mm -hmm. um, I lived for a while as well, or African culture, um, many of those, again, cultures have this beautiful sense of what brings us together mm -hmm. is not just um, this kind of sense of blood. Okay, so before moving out here to San Diego, we had moved a couple of times. Now, not a bunch, just from neighborhood to neighborhood. And there was a little bit of change with those neighborhoods, but mm -hmm. it was still within the same kind of general area. So it wasn't a huge culture shift. No, from bedroom community to urban, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and it was... Now, what was funny is at the time, it did feel like a pretty big change. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, it really wasn't that much, <laughs> no. you know, versus coming cross country. And coming cross country, there was a lot of culture shift. You know, we went from more of an East Coast feel to things Midwest, coming out here to the West Coast, where cultural makeup is different. Oh, very different. You know, obviously a much stronger Hispanic and Latino community mm -hmm. uh, here, as well as a lot of Asian um, right. Immigrants and visitors and, you know, just whatever. And long-time residents, yeah. yeah. More so than in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. um, and so that meant that we kind of had to figure out your social family mm -hmm. a little bit more uh, because when you move and you leave your biological family, right, you do create a family mm -hmm. around you and it, your new social network becomes your family. And it may not be that it's like your mom or your dad or your sister, but, you know, think about your relationships with cousins, you know, and it becomes a lot like that. And in cousins, it's like, you know, that you've got that cool relationship that you're you're really close friends. And you get to be close like that, but you don't fight like siblings do right. necessarily. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> with it, you know, you're not like having those drop down drag outs like you did with your brother or sister when you were little. My sister and I did fine. No, that's because you're weird. <laughs> We're four years apart, too. So. But you have to find that new family. And it may be right. that you meet some people who are older than you, and they mm -hmm. become a little bit more like aunts and uncles. Right. Or those older cousins that were just, like, never in your sphere. You know, they were always there at Christmas, mm -hmm. but you didn't really know them. And no spoilers. <laughs> in, in a few minutes, when we after we transition to the next part, Tim is going to talk about those family connections specifically. Mm -hmm. And he's got some interesting cultural context, multicultural context for, for family yeah. that you and I just have never, never experienced, really. 
Right, not outside of like your normal family, right, what that would right, look right. like. And, you know, we in our culture, a lot of times we'll say they're like a cousin to me or they're like a sister. Mm-hmm. But there are other cultures where they don't really use like, even though it isn't right. a blood relative. Right. And so I'll let Tim explain a little bit more with that one. Mm-hmm. A good example of that has been that um, one of the beautiful things that our, our church has just done has really embraced uh, Julia and I and our mm-hmm. kids as part of their family. Yeah. So it's been really kind of cool to see uh, my kids as they really miss their grandparents and uh, mm-hmm. Julia's parents and my parents. Yeah. My parents live in Utah right now and mm-hmm. Julia's parents are still in Maryland. So we get to see them every once in a while. Uh, in a kind of a Filipino tradition, mm-hmm. Lola or Lola is grandpa or grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also is used for kind of a grandparent-like figure. Okay. So my, my kids call... Um, many people, Lolo or Lola, throughout our church. Yeah. Um, and then they will come and, you know, call, re- respond to yeah. my kids yeah. as kind of terms of endearing love for mm-hmm. them. And so that's been something that has just kind of warmed my heart because oh, that's sure. kind of what gr- I grew up with. Yeah, and that yeah. was normative to me. And now your kids and, get it And uh, now my kids get to experience that's that. Awesome. So for me, it's just kind of like a natural switch that's turned on. Right, right. Whereas for Julia, it's taken a few years to be like, okay, and what what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one guy, um, Ricky, I love you if you're watching this. But when we first uh, came out here to San Diego and in the sculpture and first had kids mm-hmm. he, uh, with our oldest, um, he would joke, okay, I'm going to take her home. Yeah. And like, not in like a creepy right, right, right. child stealing way but right, right. but in like a like like uh hey i'm a babysitter you know, mm-hmm. we're gonna care for and love your kids and yeah. everything and so my daughter her <laughs> response every time was like oh don't do that <laughs> uh, and she'd like run to me and run to julia and over time and julia was like what is up with this guy yeah. like he's he's like being weird and all this and over time again as we've gotten to know him and mm-hmm. the family and again the church culture is what he's saying in the mm-hmm. moment is you're like a grandchild to me right um you can come over to my house anytime i, I remember putting it this way we, we call it in our house fridge rights okay as if you get to the point in relationship where you come over to my house mm-hmm. You don't have to ask me to open the fridge. Just go hit it up. You yeah. just yeah. hit it up. You help yourself. <laughs> um, and so, you know, getting to that point in mm-hmm. friendships and relationships. So I compare it to that. of yeah. going like, if you know someone so well that they have the right to go drink or eat something out of your fridge without asking, yeah. that's kind of what it is like, yeah. is going, crossing that line. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, that's what it looks like to be kind of extended family. Just mm-hmm. like when I go to my parents, yeah. I don't have to like, hey, mom, can I go? get something to drink, please, <laughs> um, yeah. teacher, can I yeah. have, it's crossing that threshold yeah. in relationship. So, so that's been something that's easier for me to mm-hmm. transition to. It's been a little bit more challenging for Julia to transition to that. Mm-hmm. And where it's played out the most is in our kids. Right. Because when we're personally dealing with it as adults, mm-hmm. it's one thing, but then all of a sudden trying to figure out how to parent mm-hmm. in that is, is a big change for us. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, and the cool thing is, too, is that where a lot of this has happened for you personally has been mm-hmm. in the context of church. Right. Which, if there's any place to break down barriers right. and open everything up, right. please. You know, it's kind of what we're here yeah, for, yeah. right? <laughs> my, my curiosity runs around with, well, how do people adjust who don't have that connection mm-hmm. You know, beyond that? If, if I move to Zimbabwe tomorrow, right. how am I going to connect with people You know, right. if I don't have that? So I think there's definitely been 
a very pleasant advantage mm. for you guys, fortunately, by the grace of God, that you all have been able to have that instant link with people right. through Christ that then translates into a deeper family sure. feel and, and that sort of thing, right. which again, that's going to be heaven anyway. <laughs> yeah. well, and and yeah. again, I, I think as we think through this, um, sometimes we think of it as instantaneous mm -hmm. of going, okay, was there a crucial moment or was there like something that happened? Yeah versus the kind of low and slow approach of going like, how much of this have I had to be intentional about? Mm -hmm. Versus for me, a lot of it was the advantage of growing up that way. Right. That I didn't ever have to have this experience of going, I have to really work hard at this mm -hmm. in the same way as Julia, because again, for me, it's just been, well, you just live. Right. and you experience and and that's how you learn so so i think for anyone listening to this um one of the beautiful things i would challenge everybody is going you don't have to grow up in africa right or work at a place where you're the only white guy or <laughs> something um in order to um, become open and right. gain some skills um uh, socially to be able to relate to others that are different um i, I think what it is is just getting in and practicing being a person where that that is what you do that's, right. that's normal so again for me it's one of those things of going some people you know i have friends who ask me it's like, okay what what is that like mm -hmm. how do you wrestle with that and for me it's like I don't know, I wake up every day and that is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So I would encourage you, if you did move to Zimbabwe, I don't think your <laughs> wife would want you to do that right now, but if you did move to Zimbabwe tomorrow, mm. I think um, you'd be fine. Yeah. You'd uh, wake up the next day and the next day and you'd learn a little bit and a little bit and a mm. little bit. And over time, all of a sudden, who you are begins to reflect that. And so, so yeah, I think that's one of the big advantages for me and kudos mom and dad um, <laughs> for uh, being the risky people that moved to Zimbabwe back mm -hmm. in the 80s um, when uh, things were not looking that great there. In the midst of all of that, just, again, it's a different approach to learning mm -hmm. um, is living in the midst of difference and change right. um, makes you more adaptable, I think. We'll jump back a little bit here. Sure. When you moved from, uh, because you didn't really, you don't remember, I'm going to assume the move, the initial move from Indiana yeah. to Zimbabwe, yeah. that one's, that one's in there somewhere. I was a year and a half yeah. old, so <laughs> don't have that good a memory. I went to Boston about the same age, have no recollection, so yeah, <laughs> not quite the same thing. But when you moved from Zimbabwe back, how old were you? Um, so I was about 10 years old. Okay, 10 years old. So walk us through, there, there'll be parents who watch this mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll make moves with their children. Uh, and so maybe they benefit from hearing your, your take on this. Mm -hmm. What was that move like for you at 10 years old right. for a culture shift like that? So I, I think I'll answer that question in two parts. Okay. So one is from like a pers first person uh, perspective. Okay. Um, so, okay, what was I experiencing and feeling and thinking at that time? And I would just zoom in to two words and the two words are blue bear. Okay. Um, sounds really strange, but, uh, <laughs> but um, really what that move all was about for me was blue bear. Okay. Um, so I was 10 years old and I'd had this bear ever since I grew up in Zimbabwe mm -hmm. and he was blue and he was a bear and therefore his name was blue bear. Right. Excellent. Um, and so, <laughs> um, so in the midst of moving your whole household mm -hmm. from one place that you've lived for eight years overseas, right. um, one of the things as a child that I just focused in on was the things that we were gonna have to give up or be different. right? Um, and so um, as we were going through and packing everything up and going, okay, we have to get rid of this, get rid of this, get rid of this, in that 
move, my sense of security mm-hmm. was in some of the things of familiarity because my family was going with me. Right, yeah. And so in the midst of all of that, I was, okay, well, mom and dad, you're still my mom and dad. And yeah. uh, we're, yes, moving somewhere different and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And, and so I, th- I think all of that, were any anxiety really came down to um, what tangibly is going to be different right. um, in regards to things, mm-hmm. um, in regards to how we function as a family. Mm-hmm. And so um, at that time, one of the things that happened is, I guess I didn't communicate very well, um, that Blue Bear was like my comfort item and right. special thing. And mm-hmm. mom and dad, if you intentionally got rid of Blue Bear uh, because <laughs> I was holding too tightly or he smelled weird, I understand now, yeah. but at the time, <laughs> uh, at the time, I was uh, the thing that just rocked me the most mm. was like Blue Bear died in Africa. Yeah, yeah. And when we moved, <laughs> I was just like so just like yeah. oh, yeah. torn apart um, by losing mm-hmm. this this teddy bear. So personally, I think um, now that I have a little bit of time and space to kind of look back, I go uh, again. I think that for me was mm. like the symbol of yeah. change was that my childhood, my growing up, my, not necessarily innocence, but the the thing that brought me personally comfort mm-hmm. uh, was now gone. Right. And so in the midst of that huge shift, mm-hmm. um, maybe parents, you can start noticing some behaviors in your own kids. And in the midst of this, every kid is going to respond differently. Mm-hmm. But what I can speak towards my personal experience is going all of the energy of change for me Mm. was focusing on, okay, what is happening to my childhood? Um, And so that is kind of one perspective is just, again, zooming in on that very specific item. And Mm. that thing I think is helpful for me as I parent my kids and help them deal with different transitions. Um, Looking back as well, and kind of a much bigger picture, the thing that I wasn't prepared for culturally mm-hmm. was a shift of belonging. That when we moved back, one of the interesting things that happened was everybody is interviewing you, even as a child, asking you and, and kind of approaching it from, you must be so happy to come back to where you belong. Meanwhile, it was an experience for me where going like, well, I belong in Zimbabwe because yeah. that's home. Like, you know, and so a lot of times um, people will ask uh, missionaries or people who grew up in another country, mm-hmm. like, oh, isn't it so great to be back home in the States yeah. or to be back or, you know, using language of going, it's normative for this to be the center of the world and center right. of focus. Meanwhile, let us investigate all the strange and weird things of (laughs) wherever it might be. In the midst of that, again, a much bigger picture Mm. is um, parents preparing children for this kind of investigation of weirdness. So for folks who'd been in Indiana, Ohio, I remember meeting people who had never left their county. Okay. Wow. Never left their county before. Yeah. Had trouble finding... um, countries in Africa on the map, let alone knowing that Africa was not just a country, a country it's a right. continent. Um, and so in the midst of that, really kind of being like, oh my goodness, you know how to eat with a fork? Like, <laughs> I thought everyone there it's was... bread and fingertips, you know, man. And yeah. so in the midst of yeah. all the different personal changes, mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared for this kind of otherness right. of going, it's really weird or strange. 
I think parents and, and, and all of us really, as we approach other people, mm-hmm. our natural curiosity for otherness and for, for differences, mm-hmm. unfortunately, might, if we're not careful, play out as going, oh, isn't it so much better now that you are right here right. versus there. There's all sorts of ways it's played out in yeah. funny different ways. So one of my uh, memories of coming back is I was homeschooled in Africa. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, my family chose to do that uh, rather than sending me off to boarding school. And the public school system at that time was just not, not in a good place. So I um, came from homeschooling. So in order to get enrolled in fourth grade, they had a simple entrance exam. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically flashcards. And so they're showing different things that for any person in Indiana would be very normal yeah. to, to kind of Bobby flip Knight. up. Basketball. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so one of the things they flip up is they flip up this animal uh-huh. that has this bushy tail, mm-hmm. right? And it's eating a nut. Okay. And so obviously for anyone from the Midwest, it's like, Squirrel. squirrel. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I answered mongoose. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the l- weird looking mongoose, yeah. but and, and yeah, the yeah. person giving the test like looks at me like, what? Is this person daft? What yeah. is wrong with it? You know, and so on and on, like different things. And mm-hmm. they lift up the seasons, right? So you oh. should by fourth grade, know your seasons. It's right. simple stuff. And so they lift up one that has a bunch of water and, and it looks like somebody's holding an umbrella and you go, oh, that's rainy season. Right. And they go, okay, let's try the next one. They lift yeah. up another one that has a big sun on it mm-hmm. and it looks like it's hot and you go, oh, that's dry season. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they lift up a third one and mm-hmm. all the trees are dead. Yeah. And you go, I don't know. Is that <laughs> drought season? Yeah. That's really bad. And then they lift up one that has all this white stuff on yeah. it. And you go, I have no clue what yeah. is what is going on. And so all of these different things that are ingrained in sure. the cultural piece of things, the unspoken mm-hmm. in a much bigger perspective, some of those really silly things yeah. as a child were what was hard mm-hmm. about walking into class for first day? Sure. What was hard about playing on the playground or being introduced to other families was not just the walking through the door, mm-hmm. which for a lot of kids, if you have first day, you know how oh, sure. kids get nervous Did about first day, times, yeah. <laughs> right? Some of the underlying pieces of comfort for first day is knowing where you're going, all those things. But it's also going, well, what are we, am I going to talk about? Right. So I think one of the things that all of us are learning, um, and so one of the things I wish my parents had, had had the chance to do that a lot of mission organizations now do for mm-hmm. missionary kids is going, okay, here is some coaching, here is some training, not just on social skills or something like that, right. but in coaching, okay, so just so you know, when you walk in that door, um, you're not going to see a person of color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reason is, is not because they don't exist, but right. <laughs> uh, because, you know, this is where you live and this is the history of mm-hmm. Indiana. I had to right. learn all of that. Um, and it just wasn't uh, assumed of me that I would be able to flip that switch socially. Right. Um, to do so. So so I, I think that was a, a, a big thing that now looking back, I go, oh, okay, that's yeah. where some helpful parenting and coaching mm-hmm. could help children right. make that shift in their lives. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of stuff that, again, most people, are just, they're not going to think about. I mean, because when we moved from Kentucky to here, right. there were some cultural shifts. Right. But it was nothing to that degree. Right. The seasons felt weird here. Right. We had to re- no, we know what they are now. Right. We've experienced them. We're on our second round. Mm-hmm. And 
okay, I get it. I understand what winter means here. And right. It, you can still go to the beach. You right. Just, yeah. Well, and, and, and for some people, again, for Julia, mm-hmm. you know, it's not moving internationally. Right. But there's still um, every single year for us, she mourns a little bit around Christmas time because one of the kind of cues for holiday, one of the kind of cues for emotion about, you know, feeling off right. uh, for and on vacation for a certain time of year mm-hmm. is that it gets cold right. and that it starts to snow. So when it's 70 or 80 degrees in November, she's like, I don't know whether I'm ready for Thanksgiving because I just don't feel cued towards that. And yeah. so I, I think that's exactly right. Is yeah. For every one of us, we in these experiences, whether we're adults or children, mm-hmm. um, it's the slight differences sometimes that get us yeah. more than the big ones. Yeah. So on the other end, I really don't mind 73 and sunny, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just in general as a lifestyle. I'm okay with that. But yeah, there's there are those times in year we're making those right. transitions and, you know, being prepared for those as you mm-hmm. make those moves are good. Uh, any other formative events in regards to transitions from moving one place to another for you that maybe mm-hmm. kind of stand out like that initial one did? Well, I mean, I could just go on and on. Obviously, oh, yeah. pastors are good <laughs> for talking for a long time. Um, but really, there's been kind of time and time again, um, moments where I would kind of explain it in terms of the broadening and narrowing moments. Okay. Um, so meaning uh, when you're kind of at point A, mm-hmm. and then there's a whole slew of options before you. And those are sometimes moments where I've struggled of mm-hmm. going, okay, well, how do I even choose? You know, and, and it's not um, apparent of going, okay, well, this is clearly where we ought to go. Um, and so that has been a change and that has been different. Mm-hmm. And again, it ne- doesn't necessarily have to be something co- like a big change right. or a, a big moment that's like, okay, clearly this is life-changing moment, yeah. but more like, okay, well, it seems like one is to go in a very different direction than mm-hmm. the other. So uh, a good example of that is out of high school. Man, I was a nerdy nerd. And if you know me, um, I'm still um, a nerdy nerd and I love it. Um, but the way my brain works is like we were saying before in lists yeah. and then like, you know, you can give me point one through 5,000. I'd be very happy. And so I was thinking about going into the Navy and was being recruited to be a nuclear engineer on a submarine. Mm-hmm. And man, that just spoke to kind of who I was. Yeah. And the other kind of avenue that I was kind of feeling like, okay, well, I also want to help people. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't really know what that looked like. My dad was a missionary slash pastor. And so, you know, obviously working in the church, mm-hmm. you know, was like, okay, well, you know, I could go do that. Right. But at the same time, my personality was like, I don't know that I like being around people that much. And in order to <laughs> work for a church, you kind of have to be around people all the time. And so in that moment, um, in those, you know, probably a year or two where I was trying to figure out, all right, where do I go? What do I do? Mm-hmm. One of the things that was so helpful that I just am so thankful to my parents for is instead of helping me narrow it down to one thing in that moment, they said, okay, what if you try something for a time? Um, and so that's where I wasn't ready to fully commit. Um, and you need to be ready to fully commit oh, yeah, <laughs> if you're yeah. going into the Navy. <laughs> At the same time, I wasn't like, hey, I have this full commitment towards church ministry either. Right. So they're like, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to start off with a general ministry degree, which mm-hmm. means that you kind of do a little bit of everything. Yep. Um, and you're going to go and try it out for one year. Them helping me have this parameter of one year, try it out. Yeah. Um, I have room to go do something else. At the same time, it was finite. So it wasn't just like, well, go and 
four years or five years or 10 years and <laughs> good luck. Um, but I think that was really a life-changing moment for mm -hmm. me because in that year of kind of trying some things out, experimenting, getting different opportunities, meeting different friends um, is where that I look back and I go, wow, um, I did not know beforehand how crucial that was going to be. Mm -hmm. I did not know beforehand that I was kind of frozen uh, because of too many options and choices Been there. Um, and the uh, <laughs> kind of overwhelmingness of going when you're 17 or 18 years old and you're like, this decision is going to be the rest of my life. Right. How do I even choose to be able to narrow it down to go, okay, I'm going to do this for one year. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be okay if I don't end up going down any of these avenues or paths, mm -hmm. but I'm going to be intentional to learn and try to experience um, what God is going to call me to do specifically. So, so I think that has been another um, maybe example where I really, again, give kudos to my parents mm -hmm. of going, okay, wow, that was, I don't know whether it was intentional, but uh, it was genius yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, giving me that uh, help in the broadening, broadening and narrowing process. Yeah. So that's good. That's really good. Um, so this is not a question on my list. Okay. Uh, uh -oh. So I'm going to bounce around a little bit here. But I've only killed three people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's oh okay. uh, the 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 difference between because you you've mentioned this is like mm -hmm. Julia's family, you know, and people in Indiana mm -hmm. who are used to living in one location, sure, forever. Mm -hmm. That that's just totally unusual to me. Mm -hmm. And then to have people who it's not an unusual thing to move from one apartment to the next apartment to something else. Mm -hmm. When you're familiar with moving, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to move. Sure. And you know, city to city moving is a, is a is a bigger deal. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got some friends who just moved from a couple of friends that have moved from here in San Diego up to L.A. Mm -hmm. for work related reasons. Right. And it's kind of like they have to have like little goodbye parties. Yeah, I'll come back down. It's two hours away, but it's two hours away. Right. You know, so there's there's a just enough distance thing to keep you from mm -hmm. maintaining those old relationships the same right. way. But if you had to give advice to somebody who was who's always lived in one place, mm -hmm. yeah, and now you're moving somewhere else, right? That's going to be remarkably different. What would you say would be the best way to prepare yourself to make those type of moves? Right. Well, again, I, I just start by saying that first and foremost, even as Julia and I have different experiences, mm -hmm. being able to validate both right. and going, you know, um, there's not necessarily a right or wrong in terms of mm -hmm. <laughs> our growing up experiences of going, shame on you for living yeah. in one place, yeah. <laughs> uh, shame on you for moving all around. Right. There's obviously childhoods um, that are destructive mm -hmm. either way, that right. whether you're staying in uh, one place or moving all around. So I think being able to affirm in you, first mm -hmm. and foremost, uh, and I'll speak to you right now, yeah. Ben, of going, it's okay. It's, 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 it's a, there's a blessing in that. Right. One of the things that uh, for me growing up, I always wished I had lived in one place okay. or stayed in one place because just several things that come with that of um, when you get into school and everyone's known each other since kindergarten and yep. different pieces of things like that, that would just be easier mm -hmm. um, in, in some cases if you lived in one place. It took me a long time, probably until I was an adult, to really just embrace uh, my experience and mm -hmm. going, you know what, um, that wasn't my experience. It had some disadvantages. But at the same time, it really has some really good things that mm -hmm. come with it, that you have maybe a better sense of community, a better picture of long-term change in one place, mm -hmm. which um, unfortunately I don't have. So when you grow up in, or you stay in one place for a very, very long time, you're more likely to notice, 
oh, that building changed, or this thing happened in the community, or the leaders in the community were able to affect long-term change, mm -hmm. not in one year or three years, but in 15 years. Right. And so it's um, not necessarily just the stability that is a huge factor, but it is, okay, well, what does it look like to affect long-term change in a family, yeah. in a community, uh, maybe in an organization or a mm -hmm. church? Because the disadvantage that I have moving around is going, if somebody were to come and say, okay, you see all of these problems in your community, mm -hmm. it's not going to take two years. It's not going to take five years. It's going to take 20 years right. to affect that change. And mm -hmm. I go, well, 20 years, I've never lived in one place for that <laughs> long. Years, yeah, so yeah. like, uh, I have to go to others mm -hmm. and, and go, okay, what would that look like? So so I would affirm in you going, hey, there's things that you know that mm -hmm. you you um, have experienced and you've been able to learn. Um, and so not um, kind of forgetting that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've never asked anybody to forget their um, personal experience because again, out of that personal experience comes a lot of wisdom mm -hmm. to both good and bad uh, right. things. So uh, that would be primary thing is to validate yeah. first. And then the second thing I would do is to go, okay, moving to a position of listening. Mm -hmm. And so this is one thing that um, we tried to do um, very intentionally when we moved to San Diego is we intentionally set out for the first six months to a year mm -hmm. to pretty much not speak uh, too much towards the culture as if we were coming to right. speak something to solve some kind of problem right. because honestly, we didn't know right. uh, what was needed. Right. We had a sense of going, hey, we're here to serve, we're here to help. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of dinners with people. Yeah. We listened a whole lot. Mm -hmm. We said, hey, tell us. Um, and so there's all sorts of different kind of funny moments where, again, being in a posture of learning mm -hmm. puts us in a better position to kind of find our own place in the community. Um, so a good example to me was um, I did not fully know Filipino culture. I still don't. But <laughs> I started to learn uh, pretty quickly because there's just different cultural moments or cultural things. So mm -hmm. um, if anyone knows what circumcision is, don't. Don't Google it right now, but um, <laughs> uh, in uh, Filipino culture, typically it happens when the boys turn 13, mm -hmm. which is a very different experience than if uh, young babies are circumcised. And right. so uh, so I did not find that out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until several years in, mm -hmm. in an embarrassing way, right. uh, where uh, in that moment I go, oh, I need to listen and yeah. learn and otherwise I'm going to be in a position where I, I put my foot in my mouth yeah. and uh, end up embarrassing myself. So one is validating your experience. Mm -hmm. Two would be, uh, again, listening well. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is unfortunately, and I think this is something that's typical both for Christians, but also for people who are white, mm -hmm. is to try to change towards dominance. And right. So meaning where we would come in and go, okay, the change that's needed is that you become like me. Right. Uh, that has uh, been something that um, we have to search out in our own souls mm -hmm. um, to, to make sure that as we are making that move, so whether it's for work or family or mm -hmm. why we move doesn't matter, but oftentimes when we enter, maybe we listen well to go, oh, that's great that you're over there. 
now come here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was great that you're like that, but now you need to be like me. And so one of the things that um, I think is um, helpful here is I do some uh, marriage counseling as well, mm-hmm. is encouraging a couple, okay, when the two cultures of your individualness <laughs> clash against each other, <laughs> having a, a common vision right. of goodness of uh, unity of your what your marriage is going to be like in the future and so the same way in the community is going if you're doing well listening we don't have to discard our own experience mm-hmm. but we're also not asking them to discard their experience mm-hmm. and instead we're creating a vision of going okay well together now what is next so so that is the three-step process oversimplified um, that to me is validate, (laughs) listen, Mm -hmm. and then kind of reimagine and revision what's going to be next. And so as you walk through that, I think that helps naturally the chain process Mm -hmm. because it doesn't all have to happen in two weeks or immediately. It is a thing that honestly takes years, I think, for that change to be played out. So that's my my thoughts and opinion. I don't know whether that's all right or not. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, again, being a pastor, three points is kind of the way, <laughs> kind of the way we operate. So. <laughs> so I feel kind of sorry for Tim mm-hmm. getting to lose his precious blueberry. I know. It's I know sad. it's hard. And when we moved, we moved with kids, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit bigger mm-hmm. uh, yeah. than Tim has moved with because his children his kids were, were all yeah, pretty, pretty young, <laughs> pretty young still. But moving with children, we gave them each a box mm-hmm. that, uh, basically like a, a tub. Rubbermaid tub yeah. kind of thing. And that was their treasure tub. Mm-hmm. Like if it fit in that tub, there was no negotiating. No, we they got kinda... to keep it. They got to move with it. So right. they got to define what was precious to them. It wasn't us choosing that. And that was to hopefully keep something like Blue Bear getting lost right. happening right. in our move. Um, and you and I even have those tubs. Yeah, we each we had all our, had a tub. Yeah, that it was a non-negotiable. Like this is precious to me. It may not be precious to you, mm-hmm. but this is mine. And right. I don't need to validate it. I don't need to explain it. I just mm-hmm. need to say this is. Right. And I wanted the kids to have that freedom in the experience, and having those conversations with them too, especially when things didn't all fit. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were like, um, and so teaching them how to then prioritize. Mm-hmm. in the move was hard, but an important thing to learn. It was. Um, and that was part of our sorting process mm-hmm. in, in parting ourselves from where we were mm-hmm. and looking toward, because we didn't know what it was going to be yet, yeah. looking toward where we were headed. And I would love to say that this was, sorry, let me go back. This was physical mm-hmm. packing right. and unpacking. I would love to say that the emotional packing and unpacking went as smoothly. Sure. But it was a much longer process. Oh, yeah. It's hard. And in changing. And so even if you don't have kids, you know, allowing this process for yourself mm-hmm. to go through. Absolutely. You know, it may be easy to get rid of the stuff, but are you carrying something from that past location that maybe you should have left there? Mm-hmm. And being honest with that. And, and it's a big opportunity, too. Mm-hmm. There may be things you've been dying to leave behind. Yeah. Some personal baggage that mm-hmm. now you get to. And you yeah. can celebrate that <laughs> and enjoy it. Uh, and I mean, everybody has some kind of personal baggage, and I'd say we we got some stuff we got to leave behind, and yeah. I'm I'm glad for it. And yeah, for the kids, we just wanted to make sure that we talked through everything with them, mm-hmm. so that uh, they were actually they had a vote. Yeah. Uh, when we told them about moving to California, if none of them wanted to go, uh-huh. then we were going to reassess. Yeah. We weren't going to force it on them. We were going to go through this together as a family. 
and they all said they were in. So, yep. so we did it. And making sure, making sure that we're all on the same page mm-hmm. as a family. Now, if you're single, you know, again, you don't have to have that family vote, obviously, no, 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 unless no, no, you no. really want to have a meeting with yourself. Go for it. But <laughs> <laughs> Smeagol and Gollum time. Yeah, it might be fun. Uh, but the process for us was our process. And mm-hmm. I can say what was helpful for us. It may not be helpful for you. Take it with what you want. Right. I'm going to say that right here with that, that you may or may not find it helpful. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I'm not going to be totally hurt by fine. that. If like you're like, well, that's not going to work for us. And, but anyway. you don't want to skip the process. Right. Don't skip the process. Mm-hmm. Go through it. Evaluate. Make your choices. Right. So really enjoyed having Tim in the studio today. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to talk with him. 28,000 miles of just moving oh. is insane. I but Tim's can... normal. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> He's fun to be around. And I'm just, I'm glad we got to have him in here and get to talk about that. He had a lot of good insights that you and I would never have just because of what he's moved through. Mm-hmm. And I'll let Tim go ahead and give his shameless plugs because I know he's got some stuff going on that he's excited about. The mic is yours. What are you up to? Man, uh, <laughs> how long do you have? I'm just kidding. Um, no, we have a couple things going on at, at our church that we're excited about. One is we've just launched a whole new early learning center for mm-hmm. kids uh, birth through age five. Yeah. So we are the largest early learning center in all of National City. That's and awesome. The only one that is actually licensed for kids under the age of two. And so this, uh, we believe, is a way that is just going to really uh, positively impact families mm-hmm. um, economically. Yeah. So um, find out more information on uh, adventurepointkids.com adventurepointkids.com and so we'll be uh, starting to get kids enrolled and yeah. everything like that uh, pretty soon here so cool. we're excited about that when when is it planned to start up in september or when does that enrollment uh, begin oh uh, here in may uh, june of oh, okay. 2019 so, so soon yes very soon right okay corner. cool so <laughs> check out adventurepointkids.com yeah. and uh, again that will be a great way to if you're in the national city or south bay area mm-hmm. a great place for families with kids that's awesome mm-hmm. Anything else you want to you want to promo today? Well, um, if you're in the San Diego area, mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, listeners who, who listen to this kind of thing ask me, okay, what would be important for us to help our community mm-hmm. out? Um, and so there's a lot of different ways to do that. One of the things I'd encourage listeners to look up is look up two one one. If you're not a aware of what is going on in our community. 211 is this wonderful network mm-hmm. of um, agencies, it's nonprofits, churches uh, all across the board mm-hmm. um, that offer help to um, those in our society who need help. Yeah. So look it up, uh, get familiar with it. Mm-hmm. If you ever find somebody is in need um, of whether it's housing or whether it's food or anything like that, mm-hmm. there's this wonderful network. So it works like 911, right. except instead of dialing 911, for an emergency, right. you dial 211 mm-hmm. and they will have an operator there who helps you. Mm-hmm. So our, our church is one of very many um, who help provide food. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're a food bank provider. Um, and so if there's other organizations that would like to get involved, 211, man, yeah. uh, you give them a call um, and look them up online. And again, it's a great way here in San Diego um, that is uh, pretty much the model of how so many other large cities in the U.S. are trying to do it. Right. Um, they are looking at what's happening in San Diego. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, encourage uh, folks to get involved with that. Go San Diego. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming in today. I really yeah, appreciate it, brother. Hey, my pleasure. Yeah. If you're listening to us on one of the myriad uh, podcast formats that we're out there on, make sure that you give us 
us a good rating and give us a review, write some comments in there so we can respond to you. And that'll make it easier for other people to find us a little bit later on down the line so they can hear this awesome message that you just heard from Tim Captain today. So until next time, adios. Hashtag beta house. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs>